it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. final buzzer sounds the analysis ends when you say it does this is overtime open line interviews analysis and your opinion oilers hockey is brought to you by freeson brothers and now the heartland ford overtime open line here's reed wilkins on oilers radio 630 chad picked up by nurse and he'll allow his team to reset Hits a cutting McDavid at center ice. Through two Canucks, a third, driving to the net. Quick shot score! Connor McDavid from his own blue line. Nurse set the table, and McDavid did the rest. Well, a great rush goal by Connor McDavid in the second period. That was many, many goals ago. It made it 1-1, 7-0-5 into the second period. Vancouver going on to beat the Oilers 5-4 tonight. Elias Pettersson got the game winner on the power play with uh 10-15 left in the third period. He had two power play goals in the third period to help Vancouver get the victory. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown for Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Well, Rob, I, I want to start tonight with uh, the penalties. Vancouver goes three for ten on the power play. That is an astounding number <laughs> to be shorthanded ten times. I've made casual references after a couple games in this preseason about the Oilers taking too many penalties. They, they've got to five times shorthanded a couple of times, but I thought, well, it's the preseason. You know, you can get a little better, but I'm not going to harp on it. Uh, but this is that, that was poor, uh, sloppy, undisciplined, a variety of, of problems. And quite frankly, they could have been shorthanded more minutes because Nurse got a four-minute penalty that we thought might be five, mm -hmm. but okay, they called it four for I say, and then I thought Nima Linen should have got five minutes for checking from behind instead of two. So to me, that's that's story number one. Tonight. I mean, shorthanded ten times is you're probably going to lose. Well, and you throw out the fact that this is it wasn't the Oilers' opening day roster, but it's close. Uh, there's the majority of the players that are playing tonight are going to be there. Uh, you are two games away from starting the season. You're supposed to be getting into good habits, smart plays. And uh, you're right. I, I thought the others deserved more. I mean, on the Nima line hit from behind, he didn't end up getting... The Canucks didn't get a penalty power play out of it because uh, Ryan already had the penalty. Nima Linen hit um, Pedersen from behind, and then I believe it's Pearson came in and got a penalty, so right. they offset. So you got the original so one for Ryan, yeah. To me, that, that could have been a, a four- or a five-minute penalty against Nima Linen. Uh, silly penalties. And as Bob said, and Bob, who we know is uh, the biggest Oiler fan and does not always agree with the refing calls against the Oilers, even said they were all deserved. This was a game that the Oilers deserved to be uh, penalized like they were. They were undisciplined, and they lost the game because of it. Here's head coach Jay Woodcroft. Do you kind of see this one pan out tonight? Well, that was a competitive game. Um, you know, we were in it right till the last second. Um, had, we're down, uh, down by one. I thought we had two great A's down the stretch there in the last minute or so. Um, there were some good moments for us, obviously uh, taking, I think it was 10 penalties tonight, the disparity between the 
teams was 10 to 2 for us and taking 10 penalties it's not I don't believe uh, conducive to winning games um, so there's things we can clean up and help ourselves with and on that side of things your team took the most penalties so far in the preseason coming into tonight and then you add on 10 more so 40 in the preseason is that a concern for you at all well, I don't think we've dressed our full lineup uh, every every night. And I think uh, what happens in the preseason is that there's um, mandates to make sure that there's crackdowns on, on infractions. And, um, you know, we took 10 tonight. They, they only took two. That gave their skill a chance to touch the puck more. Um, kept some people getting out of a rhythm or getting into a rhythm for us. And, but in the end, I thought our Penalty kill was was uh, working hard. They did a lot of good things, but when you give their skill that much time, especially five on threes, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, in the end, you know, it's asking too much. It's a bridge too far, and so for us, it's an area that we're going to have to clean up going forward. You know, obviously, we're one of the most disciplined teams in the league last year. We're going to need that going forward. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that we're the team drawing penalties, not taking them. Uh, you used the same words Zach Hyman did, uh, rhythm. Uh, when a team, when it's hard to get in a rhythm like that. How do you coach that? How, what's the message on the bench for the players? Well, what you want to do is make sure that you keep involving as many players as you can. Luckily, we have a really, a lot of really good forwards that can kill up front. Um, and uh, just try to keep people moving so they wouldn't get cold. Um, but in, in the end, you know, we, we're built to play a five-on-five -five game. And... Uh, didn't work out that way tonight, but what I really liked, and I'm going to go back to it, was our compete level. We weren't out of it all the way to the end. I thought our leaders, um, you know, really dug in. It, it, you know, it's a preseason game, but it was important to make sure that we put our best foot forward, and I thought we did. Found a way uh, in a game where we took 10 penalties uh, to score four goals and, and uh, be right in it to the very end. So there are some good things, but there's some stuff that needs to get cleaned up. Final question for me. I uh, wanted to ask you about James Hamlin. How valuable and beneficial is it to have him in the late stages of main camp, learning from the top guys and just kind of being a part of, of the entire experience? Yeah, you know what? I think James Hamlin is competing to make our team. I wouldn't just think it's a learning experience for him. He is laying it on the line every every shift every period every every single day in fact if you go to his practices so i think it's you know he's he's pushing and uh good for him uh, obviously it must be a big thrill to score a goal in the manner that he did for and who passed him the puck um but i'm not surprised i've seen him do that at numerous uh numerous different occasions and um you know i'm happy for him because he is pushing hard Okay, that's Jay Woodcroft after the Oilers lose 5-4 to the Vancouver Canucks. So he started by talking about the uh, penalties and obviously, <laughs> what did he say, taking, being shorthanded 10 times is not conducive <laughs> to winning a game. I think that's uh, fair. That's fair. Yep. The Canucks went 3-for-10 on the power play. And just, I mean, we talked about the Neiman Linen hit from behind. Nurse got the, got the stick up. We thought it might have been a clothesline at first. They ruled it a high stick. I mean, uh, in the third period, Hyman took an uncharacteristic penalty at the offensive blue mm -hmm. line, uh, tripping a player. So th hopefully that's something the Oilers get out of their, their system here while the games uh, aren't counting in the standings and the thing is
So Vancouver, I mean, Vancouver outplayed the Oilers. It was sloppy both ways at yep. time, but the Canucks, uh, the Canucks were sharper overall. They outshoot Edmonton 31-21. Now Stuart Skinner's stat line, if you just look at the box score, might not look great. 26 saves on 31 shots. He stopped three breakaways. He stopped another shorthanded two-on-one. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's unhappy. The Garland one squeaked through him, but that was another two-on-one yep. chance. Uh, I, I thought Skidder had a pretty good game and kept the Oilers in there for as long as he could. Well, and there was a couple other partial breakaways, but you look at the breakaways that he he, he stopped. Two on Horvat, one on Pedersen. Those are the two best goal scorers they have in the, the team right now playing. Uh, then Garland, the, the goal scorer, was a two-on-one. He's as good a pure goal scorer as the, as the Vancouver Canucks have. Uh, the Oilers were sloppy. Uh, the, the power play goals that they scored Pedersen twice was left all alone yeah he I mean I, we've seen him score many goals from that spot he's got a, a wonderful shot and both times one was a one-timer one where he got to stand and decide exactly where he wanted to put it on Skinner it was a as sloppy as we've seen the Oilers in preseason now uh, there sometimes you you look at other circumstances that may lead to that yesterday was a a team building day the focus wasn't on hockey sometimes you get away from the details and that's fine again this was an exhibition game uh, i don't see the oilers being a team that's going to be undisciplined come the regular season normally they're not uh, but it also is a good learning experience that a team that you feel that you're better than the vancouver canucks if you get play loose against them they do have enough weapons that they can beat you so uh, to me the season doesn't start till next wednesday those are the important moments, and I believe the Oilers will be a much more disciplined, detail-orientated team when that comes. Yeah, and, and two of those shorthanded uh, situations that Skinner faced, uh, pardon me, the breakaways that he faced were when the Oilers were on the power play, yeah. shorthanded breakaways, and um, I mean, the Oilers' power play only had three opportunities tonight. They did score four on four. They didn't score on the power play, but, um, you know, you obviously... Miss, pardon me, both Bouchard and Barry, mm -hmm. and you miss uh, Drysaitel. Uh, so I mean, there was not—they were not getting the puck through the neutral zone and into the offensive end as much. And then plus, they were giving it away for rushes the other way. Well, Nurse, who played on the power play tonight, uh, he's done it before, but it's been a while, and they don't look for him on the power play. Uh, anymore because they got two, uh, you know, studs that play their right-handed guys that put on that they put on the power play at the top, and I think the nurse just got pulled over a little too far to the one side, and the Canucks read that, and there was just no, no one backing him up on the opposite side. So it was, uh, they weren't good. It's simple. The Oilers were not good tonight. They had a couple flashes uh, of brilliance. Uh, the McDavid goal, uh, Hyman on the shorthanded breakaway, and some big saves from Skinner. But all in all, this was a game that the Vancouver Canucks deserved to win. And if the Oilers somehow were to able to score in that last rush by Nurse, you would have thought that they stole a point because they were not in this game for the most part without the heroics of Skinner at times and a couple timely goals. Well, and that's an interesting thing. And, and again, maybe that's just it's, it's the preseason. Everybody's not quite as sharp. It, like you said, it was a... Uh, a way better Vancouver lineup than we mm -hmm. saw on on Monday, but not their entire NHL lineup. And th and that's I mean Zach Hyman had a breakaway with 30 seconds left. Yep. And now he kind of got harassed from behind, but he still got a decent shot away. And then as you talked about, the Oilers were 
in front of the, like right by their own net with four seconds left and got a decent chance. I mean, maybe not a great chance, but, but they did get a decent. They chance. got a decent chance, and actually, and, and it was a tough play for Nurse. But he actually, it was a two-on-one. Nurse on his back, and if he throws it across, he, whoever he was going with, I didn't see it. The, the camera angle wasn't good enough. Might have had a tap in. And as you said, the Canucks. It was, there was ten seconds to go in the game. The Canucks win the faceoff and throw the puck all the way down. I believe it was McLeod that went back there to get it. He was standing almost in his blue paint with four seconds to go in the game. And Darnell Nurse gets a shot before time expired. Uh, the, the Hyman breakaway, you got a, a one-goal lead with 30 seconds to go in the game. And Hyman was in a standstill. He was standing on the blue line. He turned it into a breakaway. So both teams were guilty of uh, a lot of uh, careless play. Um, uh, I think there are some veterans in the game tonight that did not have the uh, focus that you would see come uh, regular season time. And I think you had some rookies that played and looked a little nervous. I mean, if, if you're a rookie right now or someone fighting for a, a spot on the roster, the pressure was ramped up tonight because a lot of them would have said, okay, this is my last chance. And if things go wrong at any time during the game, it snowballs. And all of a sudden, it's tough one. Nima Leinen, who I believe is ahead of Broberg in, in the preseason, he had one shift where he threw the puck away twice, then iced it, and then almost fell down, all in a span of 30 seconds. So the pressure is starting to get on these players, and it was noticeable. 5-4, the Canucks win it. Okay, some of the players we've been talking about, Dylan Holloway, uh, quieter night for him. Now, we don't have full stats because this wasn't in an NHL rink, so we don't have all the ice times. From what we have on NHL.com, he's credited with a couple of uh, shots on goal. Got to play with McDavid for some of the game. Uh, McDavid in the third period played a lot with Hamlin and Vertanen. Anything stand out for Holloway tonight? Um, no. It, it, Bob kind of mentioned it with when he was talking to Jack. It, it was a game of penalty kills and power plays, and it's hard to get any sort of momentum going in, in the game. So I thought Holloway, Holloway was okay. Uh, I don't think he helped himself at all, and I don't think he hurt himself at all. I think he was just all right, a couple of okay plays, a couple of plays he probably maybe once back but to me there was just not enough five on five play to really uh, assess what he did out there tonight all right uh james hamlin gets his second goal of the preseason yep. mcdavid driving to the net puts the puck in front hamlin finishes with a backhand a player we've always sort of has just assumed okay you know good story uh edmonton kid um you know maybe a longer shot to even already have done what he's done mm -hmm. in pro hockey uh, but you heard Jay Woodcroft in the interview there said we, we don't look at him as a guy who's automatically going back to Bakersfield just because that's where he was last year we're looking at him as a guy who's competing for a spot in the NHL well he brings energy he brings excitement he plays bigger than he is the goal that he scored uh, that, that was a tough play I mean it's a puck coming across his body and he's got to use a backhand to get it up and over uh, it was nice it, again there's a lot of players that are battling for spots in this preseason uh, have gotten a lot of ice time and have played in top six minutes that don't have the two goals that Hamlin has in the preseason. Now, again, it's preseason. These goals are not, uh, they don't count. But he still scored them and other players haven't. Uh, Hamlin's not going to make your team, 
but he's certainly given the the coaching staff notice that hey you know what if someone goes down we need some energy on our fourth line he's a guy that we can call up and and feel comfortable with because he's proven well so far here in the preseason 5-4 Vancouver winning it over the Oilers tonight Edmonton's goal scorers McDavid an absolute beauty Hyman scored shorthanded Hamlin getting a goal and Nugent Hopkins also scored that was a good shift by the Oilers Ryan Murray got an assist Nugent Hopkins actually fanned on his first try but then got it back in the slot and fired it in Yessi uh, Pugliarvi uh, anything stand out for him tonight or honestly didn't really notice him again and that, that's the tough thing Holloway could be have an average game he doesn't lose anything because he's played well yes he had a an average game the problem for him is he hasn't had a strong preseason so yeah I to me if Wednesday if I'm making the starting lineup I've got Holloway in my top six I don't have Yessi so 5-4, Vancouver wins it. Whenever in the regular season the Oilers score five or more in a game, we will turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. We have more post-game reaction coming your way, and you are welcome to give us a buzz as well. It is 780-496-0063. You're listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Back in the Oiler end as the action comes toward us, left to right. Hughes hits Pedersen. It's a breakaway. He shoots and is denied by Stuart Skinner. He snuck behind Darnell Nurse and had a clean look. All right, that's Stuart Skinner's save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Skinner, as Rob and I were talking about, a pretty good game. He starts 26 out of 31 behind a uh, team that was uh, fairly sloppy most of the night, and Vancouver gets the uh, 5-4 victory. one nothing Canucks after one. It was 2-2 after two, and then they outscore the Oilers 3-2 in the third. All the scoring in the third period, five goals in the first nine minutes and 45 seconds of the period. A lot of penalties as uh, we were talking about most of them against the Edmonton Oilers. And again, that Neiman Linen hit Rob, just as as an observer of hockey, that that's exactly the type of penalty, the type of play that should not be in the game and should be strongly enforced. Like I, I, I'd be curious to know why they didn't call that five minutes. Well, it, it's certainly more than two. Um, he had a player in a vulnerable spot. He drove his head into the the boards. And, and anytime I, I look at a, a play on the ice that an opposition player or that an oiler does i always try to flip-flop okay what if that was connor or, or leon and someone drilled him in what if myers drilled him and connor into the boards like that uh, we'd be screaming for a five-minute major i i was surprised i really and the ref was standing right there so it wasn't as though the it was something that he couldn't see or it was behind a player or he was uh, you know, there was someone in the way. It was a, it was simple, and you can't, you just can't do that. And I think that we were very fortunate, and Neiman Linen's very fortunate. There was only a two-minute penalty. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to get in touch with us, the scoreboard is presented by Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers? Head to edmontontrailer.com. Here's what's happened in uh, other NHL preseason games tonight: Avs over the Stars two one, Jets pound the Flames five nothing, Capitals beat the Red Wings four two, Bruins over the Rangers five four. Blue Jays are going to play Seattle in the American League Wild Card Series. That'll start Friday in Toronto, uh, two o'clock Mountain Time. All three games in that series are 
in Toronto, which I like that they're doing that. I'm not sure I'm a fan of that many teams getting into the playoffs. Remember when I was a boy, <laughs> I Bob, see, when I, I was like a boy, I, the problem with two teams from each league, it, not six. And then there would be no excitement at the, well, just think about right now, this year, if that was it, the Yankees in Houston were in, in mid-June and every other team was out <laughs> of the playoffs and LA being on the other side. So all of a sudden you'd get what we saw down the stretch where there'd be 6,000 people in the stands. I like having more teams in it. I think it's more fun. I saw, I should have saved it. I, you know, I'm like, I see things and I think, oh, that's cool. And then I forget about it till you and I are talking. And then I remember, I saw somebody tweeted a few days because the Phillies made the playoffs, right? Yep. Phillies got in. So um, when they were on the verge of clinching, somebody posted longest playoff droughts in the big four professional sports. And the shortest playoff drought was Major League Baseball, Phillies with 10. Now, because they, they've expanded the playoffs, and when they had their COVID-shortened year, they let in even a few more teams. But I mean, seriously, the, only 10 years. Yeah, because uh, again, like, okay, so a long, long time ago, yeah. before you and I were even lads, there were two leagues with no divisions. Mm -hmm. You finished first, you got in. So like, you could win 90 games every year, and like, well, whatever. <laughs> and then when I was a kid, you had the AL East and the AL mm -hmm. West, the NL East and the NL West. So you had, you had to win your division. Yeah. play the other team for the league championship and then they added wild card and now what is it three 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 division winners three still, wild card teams still, i mean the pirates have been in in the last 10 years that's what's shocking because there's some bad teams well in baseball. Here, here's the thing so m baseball they went to that format where it was the three division winners and two wild card teams mm -hmm. and the two wild card teams played one game yeah which that i didn't count, like that counted as, as playoffs still that counted as a playoff game i think well, the Pirates had some good teams, right? When they had, um, uh, what's the outfielder I'm thinking of? Barry Bonds. No, after him. <laughs> Bobby, oh, I can't believe I can't believe I'm blanking on him. He Bobby Bonilla. I really liked him. He Andy Van Slyke. No, since then, <laughs> they had McClendon and somebody else. I'm not even sure. Oh, I can't. Believe I stopped I'm caring about them when I moved away. But Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla used to come into the Penguins dressing room all the time when I played there. That was back Bonds before. Bonds give you anything to take to help your strength? No, but another player on the team tried to. Um, Ser well, seriously? Yeah, we went into the dressing room once, and one of the players gave us a bag of because we took batting practice with the Pirates one year. One of us took a uh, gave us a bag of. They said, "Hey, this this will get you up for the game," and we're like, "Yeah, no, thank oh, you." Oh, you were like, "Yeah, maybe." Yeah, maybe not. no, I'll take my my caffeine pill instead. Uh, 2015, the uh, Pirates were in. I did not remember. Remember that. And who was the outfielder? I uh, oh, uh, sorry, they had Andrew McCutcheon. That's who I'm thinking of. Andrew McCutcheon. You could have given me his initials. I wouldn't have guessed that. I messed up. The, what are the who the two guys I was thinking of? Okay, sorry, Andrew McCutcheon and Starling Marte. That's the two guys I was trying to remember. I think I might have combined their names or made up a name, but it was <laughs> McCutcheon who I was trying to remember. Uh, you had me. I have no idea about that. But. Yes, so that year they're in 2015, it's a playoff appearance, and they played the Cubs in a one-game wildcard game. But it, it counts as a playoff appearance. It's a pressured game right there. Yeah, it's game seven, baby. Just go. I don't know. I like, I like having more teams in the playoffs. It just gets you more interested. Well, they've expanded the NBA, right? They have that play-in format now. So, uh, what is it? Seven plays eight, and the loser gets a second life. Yes. And the winner gets the seventh seed 
9 and 10 play and the loser's out and the winner plays the the second Are they having team. that mid-season tournament too that they've been talking about? I, I, I they, yeah, they want to do something like I that. Don't, I, I, didn't I, I didn't understand that. I read about it once and I didn't understand how it was going to work. Would that be like in the NHL uh, all of a sudden in January they're going to have a special tournament for all the teams? I don't get it. I thought that's what the playoffs were, but they were talking yeah, about Yeah, so it would be implemented for 23-24. It's a mid-season tournament. Are they going to invite other teams too? They're going to go to other countries, say, hey, do you want to come to our well, tournament? Well, that'd be something like, oh, the Greek champion. That would actually be cool. Yeah, champion. I would watch that. That'd be kind of neat, but I don't understand how the NBA can have a, a private little tournament in the middle, unless they make it a three-on-three -three tournament or something like that. <laughs> then it'd be cool. All of the games would be part of the normal 82-game schedule with one extra game for the two final teams. So somehow they'll work the bracket into, I guess, the, the regular season games, and it's an extra little cup. And I'm pretty sure it said each team gets one celebrity to play on their team for the game. Well, you could go play. Well, there's no team in Pittsburgh. There was <laughs> Darn a, it. There was an ABA team in Pittsburgh. What were they called? Uh, we're really going to the Pittsburgh Condors. Well, I mean, there's a lot of the, Condors uh, in Pennsylvania. So of I the can American see why. basketball. <laughs> <laughs> just everywhere. Just yeah. the, well, apparently they were circling this team that only lasted for... for uh, was I around they, when that team was actually around? Actually, they changed names. So they were the Pittsburgh Pipers, and then they, then they were the Minnesota Pipers, then they were back in Pittsburgh the next year as the Pipers, and then they changed the name to the Condors, because obviously they knew you know what? they I, were... I, th I thought Condors away. was a poor name in Pittsburgh until I heard Pipers, and then Condors actually sounds really, really good. <laughs> Just leave if you can find a logo for the Pipers. Some dude carrying a pipe around. Would you ever... Uh, Oilers have lost 5-4 to the Canucks, by the way. It is it is a preseason game, 11-30 on a Wednesday night. I think it's Wednesday. Anyway. I have no idea. Our adjustment of the game is that the regular season starts in a week. Oh, that's uh, true. For pro train techs for peace of mind down the line. So would you ever... Would you ever want more teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, right I now, it's down to half. Yeah, I don't think so. I think 16 is, is plenty. I think that... You have to be in the top half of your league to be able to f battle for the Stanley Cup. I think there's a, a big drop off after that. So, you know, I think. Well, last year in the East, there was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the playoffs were set in December last year in the East. No, I think 16 is perfect. Uh, and it's funny. You, you look at, you imagine having half the, uh, the Major League Baseball teams in the playoffs. Like how funny that would be, or half of the football teams in the NFL. Well, NFL's up to what, 14 out of 32? I guess yeah, it, it is because it's seven. Yeah, it's expanded to seven in each conference. That is true. Yeah, it's getting there. I but mean, there's when I was reading some of the uh, preseason predictions. Uh, I can't remember if it was Sports Illustrated or one of the other sites. They had a, a now they play 17 games. They had an eight and nine team, a sub 500 team, as the seventh seed. It has happened a couple times when mm -hmm. they had the six team format. Um, but yeah, they had. They were actually predicting preseason this conference won't have enough over 500 teams. That's not a very good conference. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, strength the schedule, all that kind of stuff. No, I think 16 teams for the National Hockey League is the exact, but plus it just works so nice that you don't have to mess around with uh, odd number right. or play-ins or anything like that. Yeah. So. so the NBA, I guess, is still getting down to 16 in terms of 16 teams that will play best of seven series. They're just saying, if you're 7 well, through 10, we're going to have a little mini tournament for you guys to, what, to get those seeds. What the NBA is doing is generating more revenue oh, for their single owners. Single elimination games. you got a week of game sevens, right? Yep. Well, sort of. I guess the one team so, has a second life, but you think still, it's a critical game. Yeah, and then the money they're generating because it's extra games that they wouldn't have already had. You don't pay the players in the playoffs. So I can understand why they're doing well, it. Well, one thing I would, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, I, I would like to see the NHL do this. 
And there was one year they were going to do it because there was a possibility of if certain scores worked out the certain way that they'd run out of tiebreakers. Mm -hmm. But I think they should do it anyway. That if two teams are tied for the final playoff spot, they should have a one-game playoff in the in the city of the team that had the tiebreaker using the tie. But don't eliminate a team on the tiebreaker. Right? I like so, that. So just say, hey, this is tiebreaker day, and it's it'll it won't it wouldn't be considered a playoff game, but you'd have playoff rules, I guess, in terms of the overtime and stuff. I like that. I do. The, the it's just one game. It is. Uh, yeah, it would rarely happen. It, no, true, but it, it would be fun. The only problem with the uh, it would be the scheduling because you know how the NHL would like to have everything yeah. set in. No, I know. But I, uh, it would be pretty cool. Can you imagine the, the audience you'd get for that? Yeah. yeah I mean, well, if we were king for the day, that's what we're going to do. Well, when one of us becomes NHL commissioner. Well, I mean, if Batman would ever about. resign or retire, he's been there forever. I've been waiting for my opportunity. One, one thing I would do if I became NHL commissioner, I'd find a smaller rink for the Coyotes. <laughs> like there must be a little community rink. Well, you know what they could do? For 100 people. They could actually play outdoors in Edmonton in the winter. That's what they could do. Just stand around the outside and watch them play. I, I, it's going to be there, there, there's so a, weird. There's a hypothetical for you. Let's just say, where where would the Coyotes get bigger crowds? What they're going to do this year, or if they just came to Edmonton for one year at Rogers Place and, and just said we're still Arizona, and just still play on the off team, nights, yeah. and just you know they played, they never played up against the Oilers, but they get more than five thousand fans per game. Yes, I bet you they would. Oh, absolutely, they would. There'd be a couple games that would be quiet in there. Yeah, but I mean, they're most of the, like. Calgary comes to town, Toronto comes to town, Montreal, you know, Crosby, visits, yeah. Novechkin. Well, yeah. they'd have to probably play on the same road trip, right? But still. No, I I think it'd be, uh, well, throw that out there. I mean, Ebbett, I mean, we host everything here. We may as well host another team playing NHL games here. I mean, I'm sure the players would like to have more than 5,000 fans. Th I'm sure it's happened. I, I, there has to be an instance of that I'm just not not thinking of because, like I said, it's 11:30. But a team, so we're, uh, the Saints, the, the Saints had to play an entire season in San Antonio after the hurricane. Yes. So different different circumstances. Well, there was actually talk this week that Tampa Bay Buccaneers may have to move their game to Minnesota because of the hurricane they went through. They didn't. Right. But there was talk that Minnesota would be the team that would host it. Uh, but I wonder if a team has ever had to play an entire season of home games in another city that was in the same league. I mean, I think the Yankees had to play a season in Shea Stadium. But it was still in New York when Yankee Stadium was getting renov renovated, what if, but what, it's still New York. Well, I'm guessing in one of the L.A. things, in one of, I don't know if it would be football or basketball or, or something along that line, but before they were moving elsewhere, if they yeah. played, didn't one of them play in the L.A. Coliseum? Well, what, when the Dodgers first came out, I believe they played in a football stadium. And it was some crazy short porch down one of the lines, so they had to build a bigger wall or put something up. Imagine if we would have planned this and actually researched what we were going to talk about. <laughs> we would, we would actually. Uh, well, then the four, four, four people listening may have stayed on and not uh, left, and now we're down to two. Kellen Kennedy Your just, mom and my mom just texted me. Yeah, 19, I believe it was 1994. The Las Vegas mm -hmm. Posse were going to fold, and they played their final preseason game in Edmonton. Against Edmonton, I was here. I was there for that. Yeah. So they. I don't so have my Edmonton tickets. Got up, ten home games it. instead of nine. I gotta be honest. I don't know who the yeah. L.A. Posse are. Las Vegas Posse was one of the American CFL teams, ill-fated. Oh. As well, all of them turned out to be. 
Baltimore might have. Well, they won a championship, didn't they, Baltimore? Yes, the, what were they called at the time? Stallions? The, the Stallions. Uh, they wanted to be the Colts, and they became the Stallions. Did you, see, did you see me pulling out a CFL fact? That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Don't happen very often. Might want to, can we tape that and like, I can put yeah, it I'm on pre my. I'm pretty sure it's being recorded. <laughs> okay, good. Yes. I can use that on my resume <laughs> one day if I ever right. apply it to CFL, CFL. Oilers lose 5 4 to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Zach Hyman had a shorthanded goal. Here he is. Zach, just maybe take us through what you saw kind of transpire here tonight. Uh, I mean, not a lot of rhythm. It was just kind of a special teams game for a lot of it. And um, yeah, I mean, just got to be sharper. Uh, your head coach talked about the pace of play. He wants that to kind of increase a little bit. It looked like the Canucks were kind of dictating the pace in a lot of areas of the ice. Uh, how can you guys collectively as a team increase that set pace? Yeah, just, we, you know, we're, we're a fast group. We just got to use our legs, move, and then uh, stop the puck in their end, keep them from breaking out and, you know, keep them in their end, and then uh, we look fast and they don't. You came into tonight uh, taking 30 minor penalties in six games and then eight more tonight. How much of a concern is that discipline? aspect as you guys kind of inch closer to the regular season opener that's kind of weird preseason's weird like that the call is kind of you know everybody's trying to figure out uh the calls a couple weird ones you know i didn't even see the one uh, you know that i got i didn't see the guy kind of instant on contact a couple of those but yeah i mean it'll clean up it'll it'll get uh, a lot less sloppy when the regular season comes around all right uh that is that kind of well hopefully it does because this was a fairly sloppy game for uh, the Oilers sloppy by the Canucks at times as well, but they were the better team and beat Edmonton 5-4 tonight. One of the uh, here's a little I don't know what this is. It's not really trivia. Tidbit? It's a little tidbit talking okay. about teams playing at home. So the two teams in the NFL called the New, New York something don't play home games in New York. Well, Buffalo is the only team that plays their home games in the state, yeah, state of New, New York. The one plays in Meadowlands in they New, both, in New they Jersey. They share the stadium, MetLife Stadium in New oh, Jersey. Oh, they're both there. Yeah. Oh, I always found that weird, too. New Jersey, they just they can't catch a break. Eh? They host two NFL yeah, teams, and even, no one wants their name. The New Jersey Giants or the New Jersey Jets. That's sad. Yeah, well, I've been to the Meadowlands. It's, <laughs> I, I don't blame them. It's, it, that's where the New Jersey Devils played, too, and it's yeah. just, it was just blank. What's out there? Nothing. Just the arena? There was a, the I think there was an arena. Because now they're in Newark, right? Yeah. It's different. No, it wasn't the city. It's like in the middle of it. It's all concrete around there. They just built a complex. Or was it not even a complex? It wasn't a complex. No, it wasn't a complex. Because the, the New Jersey Nets played there, right? The Nets and the Devils, and then there was the football stadium. Uh, yeah, and I thought there was a horse race, yes, racetrack too. Yeah. But it was, you hated going to Jersey because there's nothing to do. So most teams stayed, started staying in New York City and right. just taking. The problem is you get hit in traffic and going through the tunnels and stuff. Yeah. So it would take a long, long time. But New Jersey, when you did stay in New Jersey, it was just, it was boring. You more or less had room service and watch TV. Well, it doesn't sound too bad. It's kind of like we're doing now without the room, room service. service and the, and and the I, TV. And I shut the TV off because we well, we watched the game on the live stream. But New Jersey was never, uh, I never found it to be a great hockey town. I mean, we played them in the playoffs, and they didn't sell out games. Like, playoff time. You know what it's like here yeah. at playoff time. But New Jersey, there'd be, and this was back when New Jersey was good. They, could, they won Stanley Cups, and they still didn't sell out early in the playoffs. All right, Oilers lose 5-4 to the... Vancouver Canucks, if you want to chime in on the game, 7804960063, or if you just have some uh, marginally interesting sports trivia about where teams play or don't play their home games, 
<laughs> you can also give us that. James Hamblin got a goal tonight. You're going to hear from him as well. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. and comes over and crunches Jason Dickinson, takes the puck from him, and will send one up the left-hand side for McDavid, driving toward the net, backdoor, shoveled home, and the Edmonton Oilers have tied the game. James Hamblin finishes from McDavid, but that play created by Marcus Niemelainen. All right, Hamblin, nice goal, his second of the preseason. You're going to hear from him in a few minutes. Oilers lose 5-4 to the Vancouver Canucks. If you, you missed the uh, game story, fairly sloppy game by the Oilers. Too, took too many penalties. They were shorthanded 10 times. Canucks got three power play goals, including two by Elias Pedersen in the third period. He had the game winner with 10-15 left. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, hanging out with you tonight. Okay, so Friday is the final preseason game. They're hosting Seattle. Would you put the full NHL lineup? I mean, are we going to see Vertanen again? Or are we going to see possibly Demers again? Or are we going to see Hamblin again? Or do you just say, no, I, I want to pretend it's, it's opening day? <laughs> if I was the coach, I'd prefer to play my entire lineup to prepare for the regular season. I'd want to be able to use my first first and second power play units, my penalty killing. I want to get all the the things that I want, the four check, uh, the four on four, everything you could possibly do in a game, I'd want to do it as a dress rehearsal. Uh, but you will also go to your players and say, hey, Connor and Leon, do you want to play? Yeah. And if they say yes, then I go with my full lineup. I think at this point, I don't know if... Uh, Friday night's game is going to change the mind of a coaching staff of what they've decided to do. I think the team is now set. They'll have some discussions, but uh, everyone's had ample opportunities to prove what they can and cannot do. Yeah. So I think Friday, if if I could, I would put my full lineup in, but it'll all depend. And there could be tweaks right now. Uh, Bob mentioned his Yamamoto fully healthy right now. Uh, if If everyone's healthy, play your full lineup, but only if the star players want to play. In well, that I would game. think Drysaddle will play. I would. He Kane would for will play because they didn't play tonight. Yes. And Yamo, I mean, it, it sounds like if Yamo misses that game, and even that's an if on Friday, he's fine for the start of the season. But even but if he's only eighty percent or whatever it is, you don't play him because you want you don't want to have anything linger. Is Nemo Linen ahead of Broberg at the moment? Uh, he is in my eyes. Yes, absolutely. But uh, is Bob Bob has one of those two Broberg or Nemo Linen being the number six? I have Ryan Murray as my number six. I, I just, just to let the veterans start this. Well, uh, Ryan Murray is a better player than both of them right now, and he should because he's a what a 10-year veteran that's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, injuries have sort of slowed his career down, but as of today, he's a better player because he's played in the NHL and he knows uh, what he needs to do at all. There's nothing's going to surprise him. Now, Niemelainen and Broberg, throughout the season with some experience, could surpass him as a player, but right now. 
if you're saying on September 6, who's your better player, whatever, no, October 6, sorry, who's your better player, I would say Ryan Murray, and he would be in my starting lineup next Wednesday. Don't take us back to September 6. <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to do this to, again, no. I don't to go through the exhibition schedule no, again. Neither do I, although I wouldn't have gone to Barcelona yet, so I get to do that again. So, okay, yeah, fair Let's comment. just back up a little bit. Uh, okay, so... And then up front, so, I mean, we both have Holloway on the team. I have Holloway playing with Leon and Hyman. Okay. So where, where do you have Yessi then? That's the question. I've, because of his contract and because of who he is, I would have Yessi playing with Nugent Hopkins and McLeod. And I would have Fogel playing with Shore and Ryan. Or Yanmark, those four guys. I'd have it either be Yanmark or Shore and Ryan. Those three, two of those three would be in with Fogel. Right. And you wouldn't have Vertanen on the team? No. So you, you might keep Hamlin or Malone up at, at the start I'd, of the season? I'd keep Malone up. Yeah. I, to me, he just he brings you something that no one else does. He brings you that. Well, we talk about Nima Linen on the back end. He plays with a little bit of uh, nastiness. Malone has that ability. Plus, he can penalty kill. Plus, he can take face-offs. So I have him ahead of the other guys. So that's who I have up front. And on the back end, I have Murray and Nima Linen as my 6-7. Now, again, I don't know how many they – I mean, there's been talk because of salary cap. Oh, the 21 guys. 21 whatever, guys. Yeah, I don't yeah, – exactly. yeah, so I don't know that. But that's the team that I would You're have. You're just basing on a 23-man roster yeah. ability alone. Yes. Yeah. Well, and if Benson's – Benson's going to be out to week to week, so they could also put him on long-term. Well, and yeah. Now, and that's, that, not a, that's not a huge cap relief, but still. But still, yeah. So I'm not even thinking about him because he is injured. But, yeah, so I'd have uh, – yep, Pugliarvi on my thir third line. I'd have Fogel on my fourth line. I'd have Holloway on my second right. line. And Malone – I mean, he's he does what he does, but if you're gonna healthy scratch somebody, you'd you have scratch Malone and say Hamlin, just hey, go down to the Condors, keep doing your thing. One hundred percent. We'll see you for a few games. You, and that's just because Malone's a professional that's been around. He, he his improvement isn't coming. I mean, he is who he is. Yeah. Hamlin can continue to improve. Malone's a good guy that you can have up here. He's a works hard in practice. Uh, to me, he's been good in preseason, and he's a guy that can fill it in, in to a bunch of different needs. If you put him in the lineup, he can pen penalty kill. He can play with a little nastiness. He can win face-offs. To me, he's my, my extra forward right now. You would not give Vertanen even a two-way? Well, that I, I... I don't think I would. I, no, because then he's taken away a spot of someone in the minors. I don't, I don't know if he's shown enough here uh, to, to take away from someone that's already in the organization. I just don't. I think I believe he's behind Benson in the organizational depth from preseason as well. Demers, maybe? If he wants to sign a two-way, it's always nice to have a guy with that kind of um, experience that uh, you can call up in a pinch. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if he'd accept it. I don't know if there's other teams that will. If the others say, hey, we're only offering you a two-way, I'm sure his agent's going to call every team in the National Hockey League. Here's what we're getting here. Does anyone need me? Right. So, but I would I would offer Demers a, a two-way. Okay. All right. Uh, Oilers lose 5-4 to the Canucks. Uh, James Hamlin had a goal. Here he is. Uh, James, maybe just take us through the night. Uh, back and forth battle on the score sheet. But uh, how did you kind of see this one fare out? There are times where, where they really pressed hard as well. Um, obviously, there's things that we want to do better, and when you give up five goals, you know, that's, that's not a winning uh, recipe. So uh, I think we can be better in that area. 
what are some of the things that your team needs to do better as you, the team collectively kind of gets ready for next Wednesday? Uh, it it kind of seemed like we turned a couple pucks over. Uh, that led to a couple outnumber rushes, a couple breakaways. Uh, obviously, you don't want that happening once in a game, let alone like three or four times. Uh, so I just think simple plays like that and just uh, making sure that we're bearing down uh, at both blue lines. Uh, three power play goals for the Canucks tonight. Uh, you guys came into this game uh, taking 30 minor penalties tonight, eight more. Uh, maybe talk about the discipline and how much of a role that played in tonight. Yeah, I mean, going back to your last question with things that we need to do better, uh, staying out of the box is one. I thought the penalty kill was actually pretty good at times, but when you take so many, they have uh, some really good players on that team that uh, can obviously find a way to put it, back, put it in the back of the net. Obviously not ideal asking you this question after a loss, but uh, what are your, some of your thoughts uh, that you've taken out of Oilers' main camp so far? Uh, I feel like I've taken a lot. Um, I think the guys have been really, really good to me and, and just helped me out uh, here and there. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just how hard it really is uh, to play up in this league. It's it's not easy. It's a grind every day. Uh, and uh, I know that every night uh, I got to bring it. Um, I got to bring it. And as the competition keeps going here, it's uh, like like what he says, kind of the funnel gets, gets smaller and I, I got to be good every night. As uh, teams are kind of getting closer to the regular season opening, obviously you're seeing more NHL players draw in. Do you notice that? Do you notice the level of play kind of uh, increasing? with each each game yeah definitely uh, I think it's a little bit of those players coming into the lineup uh, and also just guys getting their feet under them getting more games in guys are now playing their third fourth fifth game so uh, you know it's it's getting down to that time where it's regular season and everyone's starting to buckle down that is James Hamlin got a goal tonight set up by Connor McDavid McDavid also scored a beauty on a rush in a second period but not enough as the Oilers lose 5-4 to the Vancouver Canucks. Get more on the Oilers on 630chet.com, globalnews.ca. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Our next game broadcast is Friday, 5.30 for the face-off show. Puck drop at 7. Preseason finale, the Oilers at Rogers Place, home to the Seattle Kraken. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line.